Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? Quite well, Scott. Getting a little uh, of that sort of being in the sun with a hat thing going yes. on. I don't know, you know, it's that time of year, at least in the southern part of the U.S., it's that time of year. So we, uh, we're going to start looking different, folks. <laughs> and pollen is starting slowly but surely, starting to be a thing of the past. At least it's not in the big tidal waves of it that, is, that it is, you know, in the last few weeks. And that's yeah. a good thing as well, Greg, right? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, here on the coast, it has, it dissipated, I don't know, a few weeks ago, but I know it's still going in Atlanta. But everything is blooming, right? I mean, that's right. the forsythias, which are always first, those big yellow bushes, man. That's how you know spring has sprung. Spring has sprung, indeed. Uh, well, folks, uh, we are bringing to you today the Supply Chain Buzz, where every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, we talk through some of the leading news stories uh, of the day from across global business, global supply chain, you name it. But not only do we give you uh, the stories, we give you the take, the perspective, some context. So, uh, and Greg, as always, we want to hear from all of our listeners. We've got, uh, I see Shelly and Helene and, and others chime in. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Of course, we welcome your comments through the hour. Okay. So, Greg, we, we've got, um, so we're going to work through three stories today. And around 1230, 1235, I'm adding a timestamp there to put pressure on us. We're going to get into a question of the day, right? Greg and I yeah. have been, and, and the team, we've been working working to bring more educational um, insight to the supply chain buzz. And today we're going to be talking about choosing that right advisor or coach. And it's so important. So important. So stay tuned uh, with us as we get there. And we, of course, welcome your perspectives. Um, okay. So Greg. Yes, Scott. Before we get there, we've got some resources to share with folks. We've got those three stories. Uh, and before we get there, let's say hello to a few folks. So Shelly, Shelly Phillips from snowy Colorado. Great to see you here today. Uh, Helene in France. Helene, great to see you. I think she's joined us before, Greg, hadn't she? I'd love to figure out how that's pronounced in French, right? Helene? El, El, <laughs> Man. Sorry, which is terrible. <laughs> you speak all the languages, Greg. You keep surprising I, me. And you speak all of the languages. <laughs> well. uh, Sylvia Judy is back with us. Sylvia, I hope this finds you well. I know you got a big trip coming up uh, to reconnect uh, with your yep. family. Looking forward to that. And she says her azaleas are in full bloom. Man. Uh, Ryan says greetings from Ames, Iowa. Iowa. You ever been to Ames, Iowa, Greg? I think so. Uh, is it one of the, gosh, this is so embarrassing. Is one of the universities there? I want to say, yeah. Uh, well, Ryan, let's, Ryan, let us know. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Make us look stupid. Like we need <laughs> there is some kind of landmark, uh, facility or site in Ames. Yeah. I've seen it on TV before. So yeah. 
Uh, Gino is back with us. Old Gene Pledger from North Alabama. Hope you and your family are safe and sound. I know we had a bunch of storms come through. Man, terrible storms come through Mississippi and parts of Alabama. Uh, Iowa State. Ryan came through forest. Okay, there we go. Knew it. Uh, Knew it. Well, a lot of people don't know where Kansas State, the you know Kansas State University is. Being from Kansas, I empathize with people blanking on your everything in your state, dude. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> I should be better. Uh, let's see. Kim's tuned in from Denver. Of course, she's going to have to connect with Shelly, a fellow Coloradan there. And finally, T squared, holding on to Fort Forest on YouTube. Good Monday good morning, ex- folks. Bring on the nourishment. Hopefully, reverse logistics and RPA. Well, not to there. You need. Okay. <laughs> It'll be back. It'll be back soon. Great to see you. Reverse logistics, good, but difficult. RPA, <laughs> yeah, everywhere. RPA is everywhere. That's right. Should be a book or a poem. Okay, Greg, uh, let's share a couple of resources with folks. Uh, you know, hey, this uh, leadership is tough. Supply chain is tough. Uh, getting through operationally the day is tough. We got you back, and we want to equip you all with as many resources as we can. Uh, amongst those, Greg, is our weekly newsletter, uh, which this week is dro- drops every Saturday morning. This week, we focused on six tools for doing it better. Very practical. Uh, one, two, three, four, Love five, it. six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Next time, it'll be twelve tools for doing it better. I couldn't remember where that song stopped out. <laughs> I had to six, sing it. Six is enough. sorry six is still enough if i'm singing the number six is plenty uh right um but folks check this out uh let us know what you think let us know which of these tools maybe uh, you see the most value in. we've got the link to uh with that said in the chat and again we publish it just about every saturday morning and we are approaching twenty one thousand subscribers yeah and if you're not reading that on saturday morning what are you doing while you're drinking coffee (laughs) right what could be better than this that's right, Greg. And and hey, uh, I loved last week's. Um, uh, last week's we focused on your uh, very popular supply chain commentaries, which you've been doing for it feels like a couple of years now. Millions of of readers and and commenters for sure. And um, I think folks uh, may have missed a couple of those, so we made sure that uh, our twenty one thousand strong family of subscribers to with that said has that on their radar. You're quick. Quick commentary about your supply chain commentary. Well, the quick commentary is that the um, aggregator that I was using to collect the news is going belly up. They're going out of business. Oh, man. So um, so I'm scrambling right now. And and they've already started to shut down. If if you've looked at some of my commentaries lately, they haven't had the photograph, you know, like a cool picture with them. Right. Because they're shutting down portions of their system. So I didn't even put one out today. And I'm scrambling to put that together, but I think what we're going to try and do, gang, I don't know exactly what the time frame is, but we're going to create a blog on our site. And um, it may not be as a newsletter as much as commentary on one article, but we'll figure out how, how we can pull that together. Definitely. So hang with me there, gang. There might be a couple of misses here as we scramble through poor old, whatever it's called, paper. Going right. out of I mean, that's been a core part of the approach for a couple of years. So we hate to hear that, but hey, folks, you can't miss. It's must-see POV, as we've called yeah. it, when Greg White chimes in on the issues of the day. Thank you for doing that. I mean, I think, you know, we get so much valuable input, and frankly, I have kind of test fit a few where I'm just pulling it, um, pulling it my favorite topic uh, or creating a topic like I did Friday 
uh, yep. you know, at this conference I'm going to today. So test fit. So anyway, we will keep it out there. It might be a little bit of fits and starts as we, as we scramble to shift platforms here. Greg, that's one of your phrases, test fit. Uh, one of your phrases is provisions. Uh, one of your phrases is, um, um pressure test. Pressure test, pressure test, provenance. Yeah, we, we're putting a Greg White vocabulary these, together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I wonder if anybody, including me, knows what it means. <laughs> we'll see. All right, folks, speaking of resources, uh, we've got a free and live webinar, but you got to register for it coming up this uh, this Thursday. It's Major League, uh, Major League Baseball opening day, and it's also live webinar day here at Supply Chain Now. We're featuring Coupa. And KPMG, and we're going to be talking about supply chain agility in this continuing, continuously ever-changing world. March 30th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Greg, should be a great discussion, huh? Yeah, I mean, two great and enormous in, influential companies in in the industry. Um, and some really interesting discussions around purchasing and procurement and, and all that sort of thing. A very interesting take. I saw it in market, on Market Watch today. Um, on why e, you know ESG is not more of a, more in the forefront, and essentially the bottom line is the incentivization of of procurement reps. Right, mm. they they have to get that twenty percent discount from whatever the agreed price was before it came to procurement, and and they don't have a lot of incentive or anything maybe in some cases. Yes, to, to tackle some of these other worthwhile initiatives. So I mean, what what do we expect from right? Very, very interesting take. And I mean, we may touch on that and a whole bunch of other topics while we talk to the folks at Coop at APMG. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And we're going to talk about what you mentioned here in just a minute or two. So y'all stay stay tuned. Let us know what you think. And uh, finally, Greg, International Whiskey Day is today. <laughs> International Whiskey Day. I'm going to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't know, and I, I'm, um, please don't judge my pronunciation, but uh, it started uh, in the Gaelic language. Uh, whiskey evolved from the Gaelic language and a word that meant the water of life. Yeah. Uh, and then that iski, uh, something like that, uh, evolved to whiskey, and it's, it's been with us ever since. So, folks, if you enjoy, uh, raise a glass to International Whiskey Day wherever you may be today. I love And losses. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, hey, Scott, one more thing. I know yes. I need one final thing, but yes. Does anybody have an unbroken bracket now? I think they are all, right? They've all been demolished. What I was literally sitting at a brunch, at the best kind of brunch ever, at a sports bar where you're watching, right? Um, golf and, and, basketball. And I yeah. literally said, as I got up from my chair, no way San Diego state beats Creighton turned around and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, we know, <laughs> now we know what I know or anyone knows about basketball. What an incredible. So, so it's Florida Atlantic, unbelievable, uh, unbelievable game against K state. That's right. And, um, it's, I didn't see the last game. I'm just a bit early. Uh, was it Miami? Miami and uh, let's see, Miami played and San Diego State. Yeah, was it? Uh, what, did Miami win? No, Miami I mean, won. Went through to the Final Four. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Miami won. They came back to tech against Texas. They came all the way back and took it. 
And okay, so Miami, Florida, Atlantic, San Diego State, and who's four? Some um, else we totally didn't expect. UConn. That's right. Wow. Did yeah, that game that was over quick. They demolished Gonzaga. They sure did. They just ran away from him in the second half. Anyway, sorry, folks. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, you, you can't really ignore it. At least here in the states, right? It's huge. It's unbelievably unexpected. It is the essence of disruption, right? And this is what we deal with every day in supply chain. But still, that this has been sort of like post-pandemic, right? Right. One disruption after another. Just when you thought you couldn't be wrong again. Here it comes, right? <laughs> so if you if your brackets are uh, still have are standing on a leg somewhere, good luck to you as we enter the final four. It's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So Greg, let's dive into our first story here today. We're gonna get to work, and then of course we've got uh, got a question of the day uh, about halfway through the show. So yeah. I'm gonna pull up this graphic because Greg, you you kind of touched on it. You let the genie out of the bottle a minute ago. So I'm gonna get your take on this. So about that. Then that's good. It's a perfect segue, perfect segue by way of bracketology. Uh, so up first uh, in this story from the Wall Street Journal here on Supply Chain Buzz, despite more and more green freight options that are becoming available, shippers largely have yet have been yet to embrace and pay for these avenues, right? These green freight avenues. So I'm, I might get this name wrong. It's Tim Schwarworth. I think I came close. Tim Schwarworth, CEO of DHL Global Freight, uh, Global Forwarding, points the finger at procurement, kind of what Greg was mentioning. And he says, quote, if you talk to purchasing guys, they've got one thing to do, get the best deal. And they get paid for less spend, end quote. That's right. The story cited a Boston Consulting Group survey that showed 82% of companies are willing, say they're willing to spend more on sustainable shipping, but evidently not this much more uh, <laughs> that, uh, based on the delta that's currently out there. And what is the delta? Was this, uh, I didn't see that it, said if there was like a standard difference right that you and i missed the same thing uh it it, it shared a couple examples but it was less about addressing um you know two i saw two two x three x is is what the article used um at at the um higher cost of green freight um so a couple of notes so in the bigger picture of course, the 60,000 vessel strong global ocean shipping industry is trying to find a way to move away from bunker fuel to other options like methanol in the next few years. The European Union is looking at carbon emission taxes as early as 2024 for ships calling on ports across Europe. And here in the US, the state of California plans on, get this, Greg, eliminating diesel powered trucks from its ports by 2035. So, Greg, your thoughts on uh, the challenge of using these some of these green freight options? Like anything, we have to align feasibility with sustainability. We have to find new, different economical ways of, of two things, incentivizing people to do the right thing. If we want really want them to do the right thing, their incentives at their workplace have to reflect that. And two, you have to make it practical. Two to three X in, you know, in cost is just not feasible. So we need to align feasible and sustainable, right? They need to be parallel paths. Uh, and once we do that, and it'll take a while, it's like any, any new initiative or, you know, disruptive change to any business process. 
it takes a while to figure out how to do it. And, you know, we've talked about some of the, um, you know, some of the ethical dichotomies that exist, even especially in the E of ESG, which is environmental, right? Um, where, you know, we're scraping the earth of, of its Mm -hmm. natural resources, right. And destroying millions of acres of land, um, to create batteries or, you know, create more batteries and electronics so that we can use electricity to power vehicles. So there are a lot of challenges there. I 100% believe that both that they are, they can be overcome. Yes. You know, I have been in supply chain long enough to know when it was only, there were only two concerns in supply chain, right? Pay as little as you possibly can and get it here. Hmm. End of discussion, right? <laughs> get it here usually means 100%, right? On time, yep. right? So 100% fill rate on time, but pay as little as you can. Pay very, hmm. very, right? And we have figured out a way to balance those two things so that both, so we can both reduce the cost and increase service level fill rate, whatever you want to call it, fulfillment um, levels. So I think the supply chain industry, which by the way, is responsible for 92% of all companies emissions. Yeah. Companies, 92% of of a company's emissions come from their supply chain. And, um, and we have played this game of trade-off for so long that I think we, I believe that we are the right people to figure out how to do it. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, a lot of good stuff there uh, at the uh, the first church of Greg White of supply chain leadership. Hey, what our oh, what I'm passionate about is <laughs> what unfinished is this. That's it. <laughs> Ethical dichotomies. That's quite a phrase. Um, yeah. Folks, let us know what you think, though. Uh, and again, we dropped the link to this uh, this read in the Wall Street Journal there in the comments. And yeah, Kim, great to have you here back with us here today. Uh, yes, we've dropped a link to this six tools to do it better which is part of our With That Said weekly newsletter. We've dropped that as well in the chat. Okay, Greg, moving right along. Yes, sir. Uh, let's talk about this topic. So, of course, we've been talking drones and the advancement of drones forever. Check out that drone, bringing some of your aforementioned uh, TP <laughs> to, <laughs> to your house. Um, our second story is an update on a continued conversation that we've had here at The Buzz. As Amazon, yes, the big A, continues to struggle to find major progress with its drone delivery program. So according to CNBC, Amazon is still in the durability and reliability testing, also known as DNR, it's a big part of this, for its Prime Air drones, which is a critical regulatory hurdle. The feds and FAA want to make sure drones can safely fly over cities, towns, and people. Hey, Greg, it's kind of important, I think. Currently... (laughs) Uh, Amazon's drone delivery is restricted to two test markets, College Station, Texas, so Gigam Aggies for our friend Tevin, Greg, yep. Tevin Taylor, or TT out there, and Lockford, California. But, Greg, get this, because they can't fly over homes and people yet, Prime Air is limited to reportedly very few homes. In fact, it's been reported in that Lockford, California market, only two homes can they deliver to, is what the <laughs> what they allege. Uh, 10,000 drone deliveries is the target for 2023 for Premier drone deliveries. So, Greg, I can't wait to hear your thoughts here. What is Amazon doing wrong that Walmart is doing right? Mm. I mean, Walmart already has something like 4,000, Scott. We, I mean, we just did an interview with um, their, their EVP of door-to-door or end-to-end delivery. Is, is, what was her title? But anyway... 
um, they have all kinds of markets that they're in. So I don't know. I mean, Amazon steal a Walmart drone, right? And <laughs> figure out how to do. I, I, I don't understand what the challenge is, except there's one common denominator here: yes. California, right? Why? Why <laughs> would you ever take test anything? I mean, I know they're based there, but why would you ever test anything in the most highly regulated, litigious, right, and un, un, unequivocally inefficient governments? in the entire union of the country, right? Yep. So I, I think that's probably a huge part of it. Uh, two homes approved for delivery. Isn't that crazy? Um, that's exactly the word I was thinking of, Scott. <laughs> and uh, and Catherine says, maybe they didn't check with Catherine. She flew a drone this weekend to check on our rain runoff at our house. Oh, that's, that's cool. Uh, I love the new applications. I fly a drone out to the beach to see if it's safe to go out there. You know, yep. when it's tourist season. So, yep. Greg, Greg, great, <laughs> great to see you here. To Greg says, I find this hard to implement with the FAA. Same thing with flying cars. But somehow Walmart is miles That's ahead right. of it. That's, I mean, that, I don't disagree with any of that, Greg. Yeah. It's just, you know, what I can't figure out is what, like I said, what is it Walmart is doing right that, that it, Amazon is doing wrong? I just don't yep. get it. I don't have this number in front of me, so I'm hesitant to say it, but I'm 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 almost I'm 99% sure that Walmart hit something like 23,000 drone deliveries last year. Wow. And so clearly they are well ahead and have been for quite some time of its uh the drone. Gosh, I thought it was only like four, but I'm I'm probably quoting a different uh, I don't know, but you know, I'm supposed to wait to that. Yeah, to that episode, that's right. why need people ought to hear what can be done with these things. So that's right. Let, let's post a link to that episode because um, that's a good one and it's super encouraging, right? Yes, agreed. Now, I didn't want to do this while we were on the show with a Kmart okay. Walmart executive, but remember the old days when everyone was afraid of and hated Walmart, and now that same that same furor is is aimed at Amazon and. People are almost like pulling for Walmart, like the, the little guy these days. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it, it is strange how times have changed. But I got to tell you, I was re- I have been really impressed with their uh, being such a good actor as a corporate citizen. Right? Yes, I yep. wasn't always the case. Good point. Uh, and you're you're referring to an episode I think we're releasing this week or next week with Jennifer oh, McKinnon uh, with Walmart. So, folks, check oh. this. Conversation right. out. Um, yeah, I think I'm, we're publishing it this week or next week. And Amanda, if you want to share that, that's right. That's part of a leaders series, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh, Kim Winter is with us here today. Drones flying all around. Uh, Kim says drones now f- approved to fly people around Dubai. How about that, Kim? You got to share some of y'all's secret sauce, man. As Shelley says, that is wild. Uh, in my in my in my best Johnny Carson. That is some wild stuff. Wild stuff. Wild stuff. I did not know that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Catherine says, uh, Greg is checking to see if there are too many socks with sandals tourists before he ventures out. It's true. Oh, boy. It is okay. True. So let's see. We're going to hit one more story, and then we're going to dive into um, a question of the day. And by the way, uh, Greg, and big thanks to Catherine and Amanda for helping to make production happen each day, all day. Um, Wednesday, we're dropping that episode Wednesday. Okay, great. Sorry to announce that, but you guys keep your eyes open for that because it is so impressive what they're doing. 
That's right. All right. Back to work. Sorry, Scott. Let's do this. Quit, <laughs> quit public service announcement, folks. The next planning session for our Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine uh, humanitarian initiative is coming up next Tuesday, April 4th, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Please join in. You don't have to give. You don't even have to talk. You can join and absorb and talk about outcomes. Over 600,000 uh, pounds of vetted targeted humanitarian aid has made it to Ukraine, Poland, and families in need in that region. Greg, your quick comment on this program, and then we're going to keep driving. Yeah, this thing ought to be over, and it is a, an abject failure of the United States government that it is not. We could mm. have taken out Russia in a matter of weeks, and we've been weak-kneed about it instead and spent hundreds of billions where we probably could have taken out Russia with about $42 billion worth of expenditure. And I have no doubt, by the way, that I will be talking about this topic because really intelligent people know that Russia is a true threat, not just to Ukraine, but to Eastern. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll be talking about that maybe tonight, but definitely tomorrow. Yep, that's right. And Greg is speaking on a panel at an international uh, event tomorrow. Greg, if you want to drop that, I'm not, our team may have it. Uh, we'll drop that in the link in case folks want to check that out. Um, all right. And then also, folks, join our efforts. Big thanks to leaders, true leaders action-oriented leaders like Vector Global Logistics for driving this and making it happen and investing in getting what's needed to folks in need. I mean, they just uh, incredible work. So check out the link. Uh, again, you don't have to write a check. You don't have yeah. to say anything. Just come and check it out. Um, all right. So <laughs> have the wherewithal as individuals that you can't expect from, from politicians, right? Oh, yeah. So true. So true. Um, all right, so I'm going to leave Sylvia's comment there. I'm not, so she's trying to identify who the sock with sandals tourists are. Um, let's keep driving. You said Charleston, she? I mean, she probably sees it more than I do. Doesn't she? Uh, I'm yeah. sure she does. Uh, the holy city of Charleston, South Carolina. You ain't no city in the world where you need reservations for breakfast. Right. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk malls and talking about yep. the continued demise of the shopping mall in our third story here today. So Greg Foot Locker is the latest to leave malls in mass as retail dive is reporting that the retailer will be closing 400 mall based stores by 2026. Now Foot Locker is referring to 2023 as it's quote reset year. And one right. of the things they're working on is a quote store of the future concept that the company plans to open in New York City in 2024. Foot Locker also plans to leverage its deep re current relationship with Nike and is looking at ways to form a better strategy, one that's more effective and complementary to Nike's big direct consumer shift that made a year or two ago. So Greg, uh, before you weigh in here, I want to share this, this with you. I, I went to my, Leah Luton is not with us here today, I, I don't think, but I went to my mom's, mom and dad's uh, a, a few weeks back. They had some stuff that had been sitting in their attic forever. And you know, one okay. of the things I found, Greg, was something I purchased from Wood Foot Locker, I bet, 35 years ago. Remember these K-Swiss? And these are yep. the, um, the G-Stad men's low white leather. And they cost a whopping $60.97. I don't know if folks can see that you, from Foot Locker. Were they in there? No, I got baseball well, and football cards in there. Oh, but, okay. Um, <laughs> a, a full you probably selling for big bucks. <laughs> uh, that's right. I, I, I might share a few. But did you ever buy K Swiss from Foot, Foot Locker or hats or starter jackets or any of that cool stuff? I mean, if you're a Gen Xer, right? You 
either worked at Foot Locker or knew someone who did, but you definitely bought your shoes there. Unquestionably. I mean, the referee jersey wardrobe. That's right. I mean, was, remember all the, all the, all the team in the, in the store were referees jerseys. So right here, we see these two gentlemen to your point right here. Well, yeah. They barely okay. make that out. Yeah. In the very bottom. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, let me tell you something, Scott. If Foot Locker is getting out of malls as if we didn't know it, that is the death knell. I mean, there are literally malls where the only store open still is a Foot Locker. And because sneakerheads and, you know, in the culture around shoes in America and maybe the world and certainly in, in like Asian countries and that sort of thing, but because that culture is so ingrained that those people were happy to walk through empty malls to the one store that was open to buy that pair of Jordans that they wanted or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, that's it for malls. I mean, Foot Locker is the last bastion of malls, right? Yep. And, and I think today, you know, we've seen that you can buy shoes online pretty successfully. I think Foot, Foot Locker could be a real force from that standpoint, yep. you know, nobody, seriously, nobody knows shoes like Foot Locker does. Yep. I agree with you. In fact, the Foot Locker that I made this purchase at was at Aiken Mall. I'm pretty sure Aiken Mall and where I grew up. And they have since torn that whole mall down and redeveloping the space. Uh, I'll have to get an update. It looks like mom's is here. Uh, hey, mom, love you. Uh, we'll have to get an update on that project <laughs> from Aiken, South Kakalaki. Um, And Greg. Uh, final yes, comment, sir. as I mentioned, football cards. I don't know if this can make that, but this is a that's Gaston Green, Shelly Phillips, Gaston Green of the Denver Broncos. This is uh from uh, let's see, 1993. So we'll have to auction these off. Uh, I doubt that card is worth too much, but uh, it, I'll give you I'll give you a hundred dollars for all of your Broncos cards. <laughs> okay, done and deal, watch. done. <laughs> hey, Josh, great to see you here. Uh, Josh says he. He definitely got case Swiss from Foot Locker. Going to miss the environment, but such is uh, the business. It's, it's business. Well, it was fun to go into those stores. I mean, it was, uh, I don't know. They just made it great. And the, I'm telling you, the referees, the you know, work workforce, whatever you call them, team in the stores, they knew shoes. They sure did. Um, all right. So, Greg, that brings us to, looks like we got a couple. So, we got Shelly's a Broncos fan and then Brian Birch is also a Broncos fan. Let us know where you're tuned in from. It probably even want the match along with the card. Do they? <laughs> probably not. Um, all right. So uh, we, we're going to arrive. <laughs> Greg, I'm surprised. We kicked off the um, the news review, I'll call it, uh, about 1214. That means we worked that through in about 17 minutes, which has got to be an efficiency record for us. Um, and now we're arriving, Greg, Green. at, our question of the day. Now, folks, uh, as I mentioned, we don't do this every buzz, but we're trying to do it more and more. We've got so much uh, wealth of expertise and experience here between uh, me and Greg and then uh, other folks that join us uh, from time to time, guest hosts or, or uh, industry leaders. And we want to take advantage of that as often as we can. Um, now, Greg, today we want to talk advisors, consultants, coaches because folks if your linkedin mail inbox in mail i guess it is maybe like ours it's full to the brim with advisory right. offers of this that or the other so greg i want to start this question because again we want to offer up some thoughts that folks got to consider 
as they're you know, making, as they're engaging potential advisors or business coaches or consultants and things they got to keep in mind so they make the best decision because it's critical. So let's, let's, let's tackle it here from a startup perspective, Greg. Greg, you're a start as that was, we've deemed you, hashtag startup whisperer, been there, done that um, dozens of times, if not more than that. So we don't see all of them because that would make, then I should be a billionaire and that would make me like a real loser. <laughs> so a half dozen times, half yeah. dozen times, let's let, been dozen there, times. done that half a dozen Thanks. times, very successfully at that. I'll, I'll couch it that way. <laughs> Thanks for adding that. <laughs> you bet. Now, and, and I know that firsthand, not, not just from, uh, what you did prior to me being, um, you know, partnering with you. I've seen, I've seen it firsthand in all that you've have brought to the table here over the last four years. Thank so. You. We know as founders and entrepreneurs, the immense value, immense value that third-party experts can bring to the table, but you got to be selective. So with that said, Greg, what's a couple of considerations that fellow founders and entrepreneurs got to keep in mind when considering advisors or coaches? Just a couple. Uh, well, let, let, let's start with some key ones. Uh, one is they have to have experience. Only Tony Robbins. He's the only person on the planet who can never have had a successful business until he started telling people how to make a successful business because he's almost seven feet tall. He's got a deep voice and he's very charismatic, but no one else aside from that get, should be telling you how to run your business if they haven't run a business like yours. Mm. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. Um, experience matters. I don't know if you know this, Scott, but, um, you know, when we think about, especially tech startups, we think about kids like, you know, I was when I started my first one, 23 years old, whatever. Right. Um, but a, a startup is actually 34% more likely to be successful if they have, as I like to call it a geezer. So someone 50 years old or older as mm. part of the team, even if it's only just an advisor. So, you know, one is is to value experience, value experience over everything else, value it over charisma, value it over personal branding. I can't stress that enough. Um, value it over, um, ubiquitous content, right? Value it over everything. Um, because it's very important. Like for instance, it's, um, you know, it's, it's very important that they've been in the shoes that you're in to be able to tell you what to do. And as importantly, sometimes preemptively what not to do. Right. Um, and you have to have that kind of trust in them. And an advisor relationship is also not a project. It is an ongoing thing. All, all the companies that I advise, uh, I have been advising for years, um, you know, and, and anybody who says they can advise you how to build and make your company successful or better in a project, don't trust that. <laughs> <laughs> don't trust that. Um, uh, I didn't even say that, Scott. I'm all, you know what I wanted to say, right? Yes, they're lying. Of course they're lying. Yes. I mean, they might even be lying to themselves. They might right. believe what's true, but they absolutely can. But, you know, I, I think that's really important is the experience and don't trust branding. Um, and also you don't have to pay a lot. There's a ton of free advisory out there. Yeah. But I, you know, when I was doing tequila sunrise, I was just putting that out there because I didn't want people. I mean, one, it was a lot about what's going on in tech, but then it kind of became, 
I don't want people to have to struggle the way I did or that other founders have done. And, and, and there is so much of that free content out there. If you're, I mean, for instance, if you're, if you're a tech entrepreneur, um, I'm astounded by some of the questions that people ask me when they reach out to me to ask me to invest in their company. I'm like, not never like searched YouTube before. Mm-hmm. You don't need me for this, right? There's a, a a group. They're actually investors in Boston, and their YouTube channel is called Dream It. Okay, and incredible, valuable information. Um, there's also a company now. They have something to sell. Um, but uh, they do a really good job. They uh, it's like they have this really easy to use pitch deck compilation tool set. If I could only think of their name, I'll try to look it up. But anyway, get as much free advisory as you can. Yep. Right. Scott, I, I know you've had some interesting, um, and there's more here, but I, I, right. I, I mean, you've had some interesting advisory pitches and conversations and, and, you know, our relationship kind of started out as an advisory relationship. How'd I do? Did I, I thought you did great. Uh, and we've had, and look, folks, uh, in all transparency, <laughs> we've, I've made some really bad choices at times uh, because I've fallen for that story, that charismatic story that Greg is, is forewarning us not to do, right? Um, and Kor- uh, Karai, you're so nice. Uh, let me share uh, Karai's comment here. Um, and Karai Kose with Gartner, Greg White and Scott Luton are key. Experience, been there, done it, critical smarts, flexibility, ownership know-how, digitized and adaptable at the same time, value, obsession, and client centricity. Man, wow. Cora, that is eloquent. Thanks, man. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. We're going to quote you on that, like, <laughs> on the website. Right. <laughs> and uh, and you know what? That's high praise come from Cora, Jose, yeah, who's so uh, engaged in the market and doing some really big things from a, a do-good uh, charitable and humanitarian standpoint. So, but I, I mean, I mean, look, I'm not, not pimping code, right? But right. That's somebody who knows. That's right. right. Yep. Well, that's somebody who has done it. And that would be a great example of someone you could use as, as an advisor. You know, you just got to understand what somebody's niche and expertise is and what their longevity, right? The longevity of the relationship, uh, that they want to have with you. Right. So, so I'm going to share. I want to share a couple quick things. You share, please. And then, Greg, I'm going to get your take as well. And yes, Shelly, you're right. If we don't learn from these these bad experiences, we're, right, where folks take advantage of you, what have you, man, you, you've lost twice. So you got. We we all have to learn from them. That's what I keep telling myself when when um um you know we make a bad decision. But here here's a couple things I want to share with you, Greg. Number one is your why. You know. You got to be really careful of uh, uh, seeking out a generalist. You got to you got to be really clear and think through and bounce off your team or whomever you tr- trust, your mom and dad maybe, what have you, um, of why we, what what are you seeking? What do you want to have happen? What are your objectives? Yeah. And then once you really with um, uh, all the frankness and clear and clarity, once you've got that question answered, then you're going to want to slow down. Right, Greg, you talk about be right more often, slow yeah, down, really. be deliberate, do research, do your analysis, right? Don't get all wound up in in what could happen. Don't don't rush decisions, don't jump into things, man, really slow down. And then once you've done that, that due diligence, right? You know what you need, 
You know that answer to the question why. You've done the homework, right? Thirdly, find a very small way. If you like Bob or Sue or Jamal or whomever, whatever the person's name is as your coach or advisor, find a small way to work together. Create a small, low-risk pilot of sorts so you can see their expertise in action, right? Get past the sales and marketing pitch you're getting. You know, give them, you know, throw them a little piece of business or throw them a little uh, project or something so you can vet them and see them in action. So those are three, again, commonly known, perhaps, pieces of advice. But man, had I done those three things earlier with earlier businesses and startups I've been a part of, it would have been a different story and different outcome, uh, Greg. So your, your, your response there, Greg. Yeah, well, I think that's that is a great way to do it. I mean, that is perfect. I, I I'd say even uh, augment that process with check references, right? I mean, I think we assume, right? We assume that, right? But check references, but don't check their references. Check references with people you trust, yeah, and, and people you know. If you're looking for an advisor, probably the worst advisor for you is one that is pitching you. Probably the best advisor for you is one that someone who recognizes Scott, as Scott said, your why, your particular need of the day and says, hey, I know this CFO type over here that could help you out. Or I have this marketing genius uh, that could help you out. Um, You know, we're using an advisor now and that was referred to us by somebody we knew. Right. Right. And and I, I feel like you have to use your network. It's rare that anybody you don't know, have never met, and don't know anyone else that they know is going to be, and I mean really know, let's, let's face it, we all have 10, 5, 10, 20,000 connections on LinkedIn. We don't know all those people. But, <laughs> well, late breaking news, late yeah, breaking right. news. But I mean, someone you really know, I think that's, it's, it's really important to um, use your network, your real network to say, this is the need that I have and just ask people if they know somebody that can help you with that. Um, you know, Scott, uh, God, at the risk of having, oh hell, what the hell I'm going to (laughs) say. I would almost disqualify anyone who claims to be a business coach Mm -hmm. or, or, uh, whatever the, whatever the catchphrase of the day is, unless they have demonstrable um, references and experience on their LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I would further because Scott, I had a, my eldest daughter was a student athlete and they have these people they call recruiting coaches. And what they say is they'll get you, they'll help your kid get access or get a scholarship at premier schools. And my daughter was a swimmer. Getting a scholarship in swimming is very difficult for right. American students because we give most of them to foreign students who can't get academic scholarships because the grading systems are different anyway. Mm. So it's a very tough market, but she was a very good swimmer. And, um, and you know, as they described what they did, they said, we can get you an Auburn, which is absolutely unbelievable because if Auburn doesn't know who you are, that's the greatest swimming, swimming, um, college university in the history of the world. Really? Stanford second, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that when we actually went and visited them, they don't have plans for how to get you to win the SEC championship. They have they have plans for how to get you to win in the Olympics on your 
your home nation's Olympics team. That's how they, that's how they get the great sweaters. Wow. They're that good. Anyway, my question to these, these coaches was which coaches will sign my daughter solely based on your recommendation, right? So a similar question to someone who claims to be a business coach, yeah. which business coach will do what you, or, or sorry, which, which business owners have done precisely what you have, have, uh, prescribed yeah. and been incredibly successful. And I'd like to talk to them. Yep. That will end that conversation with probably 90% of the people that are pitching you business coaching right there because they're not that targeted. Right. Man, uh, excellent advice. Excellent advice. Got to get past the sales and marketing pitches, folks. Uh, even, if, uh, even if you don't think you're being pitched, ask yourself. Pinch yourself and say, wait a second, wait a second. This is a pitch because a lot of these coaches that are out there, and I'm not pointing fingers, but as Greg and I both have mentioned, there's there's millions of them, right? Unfortunately, a lot of them, and I've seen firsthand, and and a lot of other veterans that are getting out of the service, and you know, there's more uh, startup veterans doing startups these days, maybe than ever before. Unfortunately, a lot of them are going down this wrong path with these so-called Eric. experts, and they're writing checks from limited funds. Folks, be aware, be wary, be in the know, uh, ask the tough questions. If you think you're going to offend somebody, but it's right for the business. Offend them. Ask the questions you got to ask to make sure that those finite resources that you have, especially if you're a startup or switching gears, Greg, you know, we get asked a question a lot about uh, professional development. You know, there's all kinds of certifications out there uh, from associations, from universities, you name it. Folks, the same things apply here. Doing that homework. A pitfall I see all the time, Greg, is folks signing up for a program and having no remote understanding of the credentials of the person that will be instructing them. And folks, those certifications can cost a bunch of money. Ask those questions on front end. Those those sales and marketing pitches are getting more and more in the in the certification arena. Be careful. Be leery. I mean, it's going to get more. I mean, the economy is going to get tougher globally, and um, you know that chaos breeds opportunity for hucksters. So yes, you know, be very very careful. But it it only takes a few really pointed Scott to your point pointed point right <laughs> pointed questions to root out the, not the, the fakers. Right. And one of them is, you know, send me three. I mean, if, if you don't know this person as never as number one, um, and, and if you can't verify their experience, having done what they're about to advise you to do, just forget about them. But let's say they pass those two tests and, and they can't give you references that can glowingly state Right. And unequivocally apply 100% credit to that business coach for their next level success. Pass. That's right. Hard pass. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully Amanda won't get mad at me. I want to share. Yeah, I'm not going to name names. I want to protect all the parties. But, uh, you know, Amanda, being a fellow entrepreneur, um, had, a, had a wonderful business idea. Uh, this is probably about 10 years ago. And um, found a couple of consultants that were offering XYZ for $10,000, $10,000. That's still a bunch of money. Um, and we were this close, right? But we had some eureka moments that I'm so thankful that we had, right? 
Was there anything you could share there that maybe would help? I mean, anything just jumps out at you and says, hey, this raised a huge red flag for us or whatever? Well, I think, you know, um, if you haven't arrived, um, this is my, this is, this is the thought that comes to my mind when I get that question. If you haven't arrived at, at, um, your first iteration of a business model, you know, and, and you're, and you're not at that stage yet and you're still searching for that North star, man, don't write any big checks, you know, wait, slow down, slow down, think through it. Right. Um, because if they could give you a business model, they would have already done it. So that's the first thought from that uh, situation that comes to my mind. And Amanda, well, and even even Scott, a basic a basic business model you can find on the web. That's right. I mean, just Google basic business model, and you'll come up with all kinds of, of different methodologies that just make you think through what you're doing. And I think that's a really good point. Is no one can help you build your business if you're not clear mm. on what your north star is, or what you want your business to be, or if you really even want to grow right or even to what level you want to grow so but plenty of folks will take your money and take your check and and can you know if they can sell you on the front end they can sell you as they're doing check-ins of what they are supposedly delivering so um and there's a good news greg there's a good news well i mean was that was there anything else that caused you get the amanda to step on the brakes and say not this thing right Probably nothing I can share in a public forum because um, I don't want her to break my legs. But wait. you know what? Well, maybe we'll have uh, Amanda join us and share more of that story. But but here's the good news. And and, and kind of from, from that and from some other situations, folks, just because you're in maybe one of these bad partnerships, relationships, coaching ships, whatever you want to call it, advisory ships, it doesn't mean you're stuck for life. Right. You know, so so if you're, you know, if you look back and hindsight's 2020, 20, a great teacher, and you find you've made a bad decision, don't just keep going with it. Don't, don't, don't make it worse. Find your inner core and your self-confidence and call time out and say enough is enough. It's not working. And then move on in a very smarter and more deliberate and more researched manner. So um, all right. So Greg, I think we have beat this uh, uh, horse to death, but hey, we've been through it. Well, look, the proliferation of business coaches just on LinkedIn, I don't know where, I mean, I'm sure they're marketing themselves on Insta and all over the place. Utterly ridiculous. Mm. It is utterly ridiculous to see. I have received solicitations from children, basically. Direct college, I mean, recent college grads telling me they're going to help me with my next technology venture, I'm thinking, you know, one, <laughs> what makes you think I have a next technology venture? And B, um, um, what could you possibly teach me? Right. I, I think this is, uh, you know, kind of, a, a ref- this is one, one of yet another of the reflections of um, participation trophy culture and that people really think they are that gifted because they read uh, what's his name's. But what's the guy who's always wearing a stocking cap? Gary V. You know, they've mm. read Gary V or have, are in one of these branding things. And they think just because they have a lot of reach from a marketing standpoint, maybe a lot of Instagram followers, that actually makes them an expert. Right. Yes, makes them well followed. And maybe those one minute snippets that they give you are all they've got. Chance of the group. <laughs> it's kind of like when you see a trailer for a movie. And then you go watch the movie and you realize that everything good in the movie 
was in the trailer. Yep. You you really have to be right. on for that. <laughs> That's a great analogy. And also going back to something you shared on the front end as we got into this here today, because it's very uh, genuine from 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 where we are. And that is, we want to help folks avoid mistakes we've made. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's that, that's been a big part of what we what we've been doing here for going on four years now, and thousands yeah. of episodes and conversations. Go ahead. And that's a critical part of advisory. They have to. So Greg Studer just said, failure is a learning experience. Mm. An interesting statement. Someone made to me once that was also very poignant. But with that as a baseline, that's absolutely critical. You can't know what you're going to face. We can't know what another business is going to face unless you have faced it yourself. For instance, before I was a CEO, I couldn't give anyone, I could have, and I probably would have thought I was right. But you, you can't give anyone advice as to what a, being a CEO is like unless you've been one because it changes your entire perspective right. on the business, right? And it's, it's a perspective you literally cannot gain until, until you are in the seat. So um, there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? And that is the ignorant are always the most confident because they oversimplify <laughs> the difficult and complex into mm. all that they understand about it, which is very little. Mm. The knowledgeable are always underestimating, you know, whereas the ignorant overestimate the, the, the knowledgeable always underestimate because they know no matter how much they know, there's always so much more to learn. So if someone is so supremely confident, yep. ask them what mistakes they've made in the past. I mean, if, you know, aside from all those other things, you know, we talked about, Ask them some of the mistakes they've made in the past, what they learned from them, what they would do different. Yep. Some of them were going to say, I'll tell you all that after you write me a check. <laughs> Hang it. Run. Yeah. Run. Yes. Uh, Run. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see here. This might be Cora. I'm not sure. Everything good in the movie was in the trailer. Great quote, Greg White. Can I use it? So I'm not, I didn't come up with that, but how many, <laughs> I mean, I bet people could name two or three movies where that's the absolute truth. I just saw a movie, a new comedy, can you remember it? But I was like, this feels like all the good stuff is in this trailer and probably is not worth watching the whole movie. Never. Catherine says, we should all know that influence does not always equal intelligence. Amen to that. Well said. Well said. New people are excellent self-promoters, right? That's right. That doesn't make them excellent executors. Right. right. Or, or advisors. Right. Yep. I mean, I, I can think of a number of, of influencers who are, they're really, really prominent out there who've never done it. Yep. Pitching theory, you know, and that sort of thing. But Kim Winter and be careful when hiring staff. Absolutely. Oh, All yeah, the time. Scott, and also in the comments, I thought somebody, I can't remember who it was, but they said something real poignant. That is, you don't always get who you sign up for. Like, you know, sometimes you sign up for Tony Robbins and you get some lackey, like second here because you weren't a big enough company or whatever. Yes. Yes. So this, 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 uh, listener says the one who pitched you the project is not always the one showing up at your door. Teams are often put together with the majority of the team to include junior members. So beware of travel and non-value added overhead cost. Greg? That sounds like somebody who hired Accenture. Um, 
<laughs> right. That was Greg White. That was Greg White that said that. You meet you meet with some like executive VP and you get a bunch of kids fresh off their campus from from Chicago who are still learning how to tie their Oxford shoes. Um <laughs> Oh, and Aaron hey, Aaron's back. Aaron's been forever, but she's a great comment here. It's like having a baby. You don't know what it's like unless you go through it. Well, that is the truth. Excellent point. It's uh, also Eric. like having three kids. You know, once you have three kids, you're playing zone defense because you're That's on right. <laughs> Uh And I should give a shout out. Bill Stankiewicz, great to see you, Bill. Appreciate what you're doing. I can't share the, the longer comment he shared, but he uh, is on the front end of training our veterans for logistics careers in the great uh, market of Savannah, Georgia. So I appreciate what you do, Bill. we got to connect again soon. Uh, and I think that was D that set up here. Um, D, I'm telling you, I see it all the time with these incubators here and and, it, and startup advisors there. Man, they take advantage. They'll take veterans' money just like they'll take anyone else's money. And, um, and you know, I could speak from my personal experience when I exited in 2002. If I don't know anything now, 20 years ago, I knew nothing. And I was very, I was much more gullible. And I, man, our veterans have given way too much to lose those finite resources they have to chase after their their uh, dream heart, you know, dreams and and um, and what they're here for in life. So, um, all right, yeah, can I put a bow on this, please, uh, because we just got a couple minutes left. But you know what I I came to respect many years ago um, was the people who have so much experience that instead of a solution taking weeks or months or even a project, they can tell you at least what the core problem is and and principally how to attack it in a phone call, in a five-minute or half-hour discussion. There are so many problems that are so simple for people who have done it one time or and certainly many times before that are utterly impossible for you to comprehend. So Find that experience. I'm serious. That is the most important thing. And find someone who will invest just a little bit in you, who will give, and I mean literally give some of their time to help you through some of your problems that you lay out on the table. That's when you know you found a good advisor. Don't take advantage of them either because some will just give till it hurts and then they go away. But, you know, let them, let them, they'll be happy to, the really, really good advisors. I think of Luke Smell, right? The um, digital transformation dude. Yep. He gives so much. Gosh, we haven't heard from him in a while. Where the heck are you, Luke? Um, <laughs> but um, but you know they get they will give of their time and allow you to see some of that expertise. Still check their references and all the other things we suggested. But I think that's another. That is a key litmus test: is will they invest a little bit in you just because they care about your success? Well said. Well said. And folks, don't talk to one. Talk to 10. Interview more than one. Don't don't uh, get sold down the river on the first one. Make sure you do your homework, folks. And get as much free as you can. Go to YouTube. Seriously. Yeah. There's so much to do. So much more. Greg says, great closing statement, Greg, as if uh, you're a powerful public uh, defender or something. <laughs> so I love, or Matlock. I'll call you Matlock. How about that? Everybody um, close your eyes. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, hopefully y'all have gotten something out of this second half of the buzz. Again, we are baking more and more educational 
um, questions and content into the bus. So we go beyond the news and go beyond the analysis, but take some things that may be not on folks' radar here in the moment because it's not in the headlines, so to speak, so that we, again, help y'all make uh, avoid the mistakes we've made or leverage the expertise that we have here across the team. So, Greg, a pleasure. Really enjoyed uh, today's episode. Safe travels to yeah, your event. You. I don't know if we dropped a link in the chat, but for folks, never fear. Uh, Greg, we're going to get, we're going to dive in deep and interview Greg on all the key takeaways from this rock and roll uh, event and panel that you're sitting on. So, Greg, bring back all 17 pages of notes, okay? And talk about intimidating. I'm on a panel with a, a major general, a rear admiral, and an author of books on how to save the world from tyranny. Man, okay. Well, uh, safe travels to you. Safe travels to uh, Donna Krejci from our team is headed up there. Capture some good stuff. Um, always a pleasure to, to knock out the yeah, buzz with you, Greg. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I look forward to bringing back some intel, some intel on all of this. Looking forward to it. Thanks for all the kind feedback and all the comments that came in. I know we couldn't hit all of them. Really appreciate y'all being a part of our buzz uh, every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. We'll be back. Uh, but folks, whatever you do, hey, act on this uh, the nuggets that you've gotten from, from Greg and I here, or fo folks in the comments, you name it. Take action. These not words. And you know what? If it's not you, help someone else avoid making the mistakes that you know too well about. With Maybe that I said, on behalf of Greg and the whole team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton signing off to now, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Yeah.